Anybody have kids? You ever go shopping with kids and they start pulling stuff off the shelves? Man, this has become a thing in our house. We get to the grocery store checkout line and there's a bunch of stuff going down that belt. I'm looking at Sarah, I'm thinking, you got that? She said, I thought you got that. We look over at the kids and they're both sort of giving us that. I didn't do it, look. If you got little kids, you're familiar with this phrase, put that back where you found it, right? Put that back where you found it. I think sometimes the Spirit of God would say the same things to us as we read Scripture, and we take it out. I think if you're listening closely enough, sometimes you'd hear him say, put that back where you found it, and you'll understand more about it. So let's read some of these verses in 1 Corinthians 11. And you will get a sense of the correction that's being offered here. And there's some things that Paul was not pleased with. And in turn, you could say God himself's not pleased with. Back up into verse 17, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen, He said, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Well, that doesn't sound good. Since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. He's talking about getting together for church. For first of all, when you come together as a church... I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. Now it does say in verse 19, there must also be factions among you, for those who are approved may be recognized among you. But he says in verse 20, therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own. Do you hear that? Each one takes his own. He said, when you come together for eating, each one of you is taking his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Verse 22. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What, is, what shall I say to you? What do you want me to say to you? He says, shall I praise you in this? I don't praise you in this. Can you hear the tone he's talking with here? What's going on? This church, which was a relatively large church, a lot of members, bunch of body parts. But he says, I got some things to say to you, and I'm not praising you. He said, when you guys are getting together, all the body parts are showing up in one place. He said, you were sitting down to eat. And it is not the Lord's Supper. Now, I suppose they were calling it the Lord's Supper, but he said, this is not the Lord's Supper. I don't know what you're doing, but it ain't the Lord's Supper. He said, some of you, when you are getting together, you got people who are feeding themselves, eating what they brought, and in the same room, maybe sitting at the same table, you got starving people. He literally said, you got some that are starving and some that are drunk. Y'all are coming together for church. But you're doing nothing but partying. You're doing nothing but feeding yourselves. Forgive me, but listen to what he's saying. You ain't doing nothing but getting fat and drunk while a bunch of other people, a bunch of other parts are sitting there starving. You want me to praise you in this? I don't praise you in this. Yikes. He's being serious with them. And it's in the middle of this that he reminds them what the Lord's Supper actually is. It's in this where he says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my, what is it? My body. 
This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. What Paul's saying, what he's saying here is, this is not what's going on. You're not doing this in remembrance of Jesus. Your mind and your heart's not on him as you eat and drink. That's why he says in verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For, who, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning, listen, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. Let me use another word here. Not understanding the Lord's body. He says, if you're eating and partaking in the so-called Lord's Supper, but if you're not understanding the Lord's body, he says, you are eating and drinking judgment to yourself. And he said, verse 30, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Now, that's wait in the sense of, you know, be patient. But it's also wait in the sense of what restaurant staff does with their wait staff. They attend to you. Wait for one another. In other words, you're not the only one eating. He said, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I'll set in order when I come. Some pretty serious correction and instruction taking place here. But he said, the main thing is you're digging in, eating and drinking, without understanding, without discerning the Lord's body. And what did he say the result was? There are many among you that are weak, that are sick, and even have fallen asleep, or we would say have died. Weak, sick, died. That's a progression. What begins as weakness, if it's allowed to grow, will turn into sickness. And if sickness stays around long enough and gets bad enough, it will produce death. This is serious stuff. And he said, what caused the weakness, the sickness, and the death? Not understanding the Lord's body. Now, I believe there's two ways we discern the body. This is where I really want you to pay attention. Two ways we discern the body of the Lord. One, we understand that when we receive communion, that the, be- the bread we're taking, the bread we're eating, is representative of the body of Jesus broken on our behalf. And one of the reasons people are weak and sick, Christian people are weak and sick and dying, is because they don't understand 
that the body of Jesus was beaten and broken and stripes were put on his back to purchase their healing. And if you don't discern that, if you don't understand that, you have no faith to fight against weakness. You have no faith to resist sickness. You have no faith. You've got no faith for the life of God to work in you and overcome death. So you're not discerning the body of the Lord correctly. So when you receive communion, don't do it out of habit. Don't do it out of tradition. Do it out of revelation. Amen. So when you sit down to that communion table and you take the bread, this is not just some habit you do and I don't know why our group just does this. No. This is the body of the Lord Jesus broken on my behalf. He was broken so I don't have to be. He took stripes upon his body that purchased my healing. You're discerning the Lord's body. But there's another application here. It's not just discerning his body in what took place in his redemptive work. It's discerning that he has a body and you're part of it. Can you see what Paul was really so upset about? He's like, you're not thinking like a body. You guys are getting together, he's saying. And everybody's just eating and drinking, partying, getting drunk while somebody over here is starving. What's Paul saying? What's wrong with this picture? The problem is you're not discerning, he said, that you're a body. You're thinking about your own. Isn't that what he said? Each one of you has his own. Yeah, I brought my own supper. This is my food. This is my drink. And not thinking about anybody else. The problem, he said, is that you're not thinking like a body. Not discerning the Lord's body. Not understanding he has a body. Not understanding that you're a part of it. You're thinking like a room full of body parts. And what's the result? Weakness. Sickness and death. These things come as the result of not understanding we're part of a body. Think about it. This hand, this arm, you can work this thing out. You can exercise it. You can do everything you want to grow it, make it big, make it beautiful, make it strong. But what happens the moment this this part, this arm, this hand is disconnected from the body. Is it still strong? Does it still have a bunch of ability? No, it has none. And I don't care how much you've worked it out in the past. The moment it's disconnected from the body, it's weak. And it's already on its way to death. Jesus painted this picture. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And the branch can't bear fruit of itself. I don't care how big and beautiful that branch is. I don't care how far out it stretches. I don't care how many beautiful, luscious fruit it has hanging ripe all, all the way down that limb. The moment you put this much distance between the branch and the vine, it has no strength. It has no life. And it's already dying. Why? Because it's disconnected. This is what's going on in, in this passage. He said, you're not discerning. You're not understanding. You're more than a room full of parts. You're more than a, just a room full of body parts. You are a body. And you're nothing if you're not connected. You're here in 1 Corinthians. Go back to chapter 6. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6. The first, the first step in finding your place in the body begins with the revelation that there is a body to be a part of. And you can see here, we've read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 11. Now we're looking at 1 Corinthians 6. And he's still addressing this same stuff. This was a big problem in this church. In 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 15, just listen to these words. Paul writing, it said, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Is it just me or can anybody else see? He's having to hammer this home. Do you not know this? What is he asking? Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? That same word members here in, in chapter 6 is the word members in chapter 12, talking about these parts. He said, don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? And I, I, I think you could assume he's writing to correct these people because number one, either number one, they don't know it, or number two, they're living like they don't know it. And whether you don't know it or you're just living like you don't, it's producing the same result. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Listen to it from the New Living Translation. He says, don't you realize that your body is, uh, well, let me back up. Sorry, Amplified Bible, Amplified Classic. Do you not see and know that your bodies are members, look at this, bodily parts of Christ? Don't you understand that? He's saying, don't you get it? And if he would have asked me this six months ago, I would have said, no, of course, I know that. Body of Christ, I'm a part of that. But what I'm telling you, church, is it needs to hit us in a new way, in a fresh way. Don't you know that your Bodies are members, bodily parts of Christ. God's word translation says it like this. Don't you realize that your bodies are parts of Christ's body? I don't know if we realize it. And if we do, I don't know if we know it enough. And I certainly don't know if we're living like we know it. That we're part of a body. He goes on in these verses... Verse 15, again, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. There may have been some of this going on in this church. He said, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So what should you be doing? Verse 18, flee sexual immorality. What does the word flee mean? Run away. Now this is not instruction that you and I get from the Spirit of God very much. The Spirit of God is famous for saying things like, you're more than a conqueror. The Spirit of God is famous for saying things like, you can do all things through him who strengthens you more than a conqueror through him who loves you you see these kinds of professions and confessions all the way through that talk about what you can do what you have how you can conquer until he gets to sexual immorality and you want to know what he says not you're more than a conqueror not you can do all things you know what he says run away 
That sounds different, doesn't it? Run away. Flee sexual immorality. He says every sin that a man does is outside the body, but the one who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And we've always heard, you know, well, sin is sin. Doesn't matter what it is. Little white lie or murder, sin is sin. It's all the same to God. Well, evidently not. He makes a distinction here. And he says there are sins, and he said just about every sin is a sin outside the body. But he said sexual sin is a sin against your own body. Well, wait a second. This body is a part of his body. So to sin in this way is to actually use Jesus' body for sin? Verse 19, or do you not know? Okay, I know you know this. Are you living like you know this? Do you live like you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Listen to these words. And you are not your own. This is thinking like a body. You're not your own. Remember when I told you a moment ago that much of the rest of the world doesn't even realize there's a body to be a part of? The pervasive way of thinking outside the church, and sad to say it, a lot inside the church, is that this is my body. I can do with it whatever I want. He said, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. This translation says it like this. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. The Amplified Bible says you are not your own property. Let's just try saying that out loud and see how it feels. Say it like this. I am not my own. I'm not my own property. I don't belong to myself. Why? Well, it tells you why. He says you were bought with a price. So honor God with your body and in your spirit, which are his. You were bought with a price. Again, the Amplified says, you're not your own property. You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then honor and glorify God with your body. Now, this is not a normal way of thinking. It's not. But the truth is, if you're a believer, you were bought with a price. Now, this is great news, church, because the price that was paid for you is what determines your value. Come on, I don't know if you're listening to me. The price that was paid for you is what has determined your value. But, listen, there's a flip side to that. And it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. 
But the result is, he paid for you, so what's that mean? He owns you, and you are not your own. You are not your own property. You don't belong to yourself. He bought you, he paid for you, and he made you a part of his body. This body you have, this body is actually a member of his body. And it's not your own. Is this not so diametrically opposed to what the world is preaching? Probably more, harder, and heavier right now than ever before. This is my body. I can do whatever I want to with it. My body. I can love who I want to with it. I can do what I want to with it. But for you, now I'm talking to Christian people. The world thinks this way because they're godless people and, and you know, I don't judge them for it. They know. They have no God. You're different. You have a God. And your God bought you. Your God paid for you. God, your God owns you. And for you and I to act like this is my body, my property, I'll do with it what I want to do. That's like, that's like your left foot saying, I'm out of here. That's like your left foot. You decide you're not going out tonight. This decision comes from the head of the body. I'm staying home. And your left foot says, you didn't ask me. I want to go out tonight. As a matter of fact, I am going out tonight. For you to think that this body is your own, it's literally like one of your parts saying to the head and to the rest of this body, I'm done with you. I don't want to be a part of this body. That's like your left foot saying, I'm tired of being married to that right foot. I have had to spend my whole life with that right foot. And that right foot always thinks it's right. I'm done with this. I'm out of here. You know what? I like left feet. I'm going to go find me another left foot. You can't tell me who I can love, who I can't love. I like feet that look like me. I like other left feet. I'm going to go love me a left foot. Hmm? My toes, my choice. For you and I as believers to live and think and act like this body is yours to do with what you want is like one of your parts deciding it's no longer part of the body and it's going to go do what it wants to do. But what happens, help me, if you don't discern and understand that you're a part of the body, Let's say that left foot is somehow able, somehow manages to disconnect, unhook, and is no longer part of the body. You wanted to stay home, it wanted to go out. Okay, now it's over there. Go out. Can't. It might be a perfectly good foot until it disconnects. Now what is it? Weak. No ability, no strength, sick and dying. 
Why? Because it's disconnected. And if the world wants to scream and holler and preach, my body, my choice, let them. When it comes to me and you, his body, his choice. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.